0: It was a cold winter night. My dad had been working out of town for two weeks, but it was the weekend. And so my mom packed up my older brother, who was only two, and drove through the snow to spend the weekend with my dad. Now, this was the days before GPS, and so she got a little turned around and arrived later than she had planned. And it was way past my brother's bedtime. To make matters worse, the hotel didn't have the crib that they had promised so they pushed two chairs together and made a soft kind of bed set up for my brother for the night. It was now after 2 a.m. in the morning, but as much as they tried to get him to settle down, all of the transition was just too much. Now Dave had a favorite teddy bear, but like most kids, he couldn't pronounce the name just right. So here was this poor kid overly exhausted trying to sleep while crying i want beer i want beer i want beer my dad in his subtle dry humor like only a dad sighed and simply said i thought i would never get up at 2 a.m in the morning in the snow to get my son a beer now i love this story it's a family legend because we've all been there kids say the darndest things And I'm sure we could spend the rest of this morning telling all kinds of stories about how you or your kid said something that was funny. Some of them, I'm sure, not even appropriate for church. But all from a place of innocence where they are trying to say words that sound the same but mean something totally different. And I tell this story to remind us that there are things that are cute in kids that aren't always cute in adults. Toddlers mispronouncing words make for great stories, but adults mispronouncing words in a job interview, not so cute. Likewise, temper tantrums in kids aren't really cute, but they're funny if they're somebody else's kid. And we laugh because we've all been there. But in an adult, it's strange, even though it happens far more often than it should. We see it on the road with road rage or somebody complaining at the grocery store. It happens far too often. You see, some things age like a fine wine, but some things age like a glass of sour milk. Sour and stinky. Maturity is not a product of age. Ideally, they do overlap, but when we kind of make them synonymous, we set ourselves up for a big letdown. And there are two problems with this. First, is we tend to think of immaturity of being a struggle of the young. But that isn't necessarily true. Some of the most spiritually mature people I know are young. And second, and vice versa, is we tend to think uh, that, that older people are automatically mature. But that's also not true. Immaturity seems to be increasing in all age groups in our world. And sometimes we adults just hide it better until we don't get something we want or somebody cuts us off and we don't get our way. Or maybe it's it's something that's happening to us that we can't control. Or the effects of age start to make us feel like we're losing control. And life comes full circle. And suddenly adults need to rely on others or their children and we lose our dignity. All I know is that life is harder than any of us imagined. So regardless of our age, maturity is something that we can all work toward. Now, two weeks ago, Pastor Mike shared a great message about how in every generation, God is preserving a remnant of people, often unlikely people, but a remnant of faithful people. Last week, we looked at Rahab, an unlikely harlot turned hero. Not only that, in this series, God is asking each of us to join that remnant. And there may be many things that we feel may disqualify us, to the point that you may be thinking, not me. But in this teaching series, we are declaring you. Yes, You, Each and every one of us, God is inviting into his remnant of faithful people, a community, a church, a group of believers who are walking towards God's grace and his goodness and sharing that with our world. So if that's you this morning, let's dig in and hear what God wants to say to each and every one of us. Now today, I want to do something different. We want to dig in to do another character study, but it's someone that, that, that we may overlook in Scripture. Someone who has some growing up to do. It's, it's someone whose immaturity once disqualified them from ministry. It's a figure in the early church who was a servant to the apostle Peter, to Paul, and to Barnabas. That person was Mark, also called John Mark. Now, who was John Mark? When we think of John Mark, we often think of the writer of the Gospel of Mark, pictured here. Mark was a close acquaintance and probably the scribe of Peter. You see, the Gospel of Mark was not written by one of the 12 disciples, but it appears to be written by the apostle Peter and his account of following Jesus that Mark wrote down, hence the name, the Gospel of Mark. The first time that we meet Mark, he's mentioned by name at the beginning of the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 12, verse 12. And it's Peter's escape from prison with the help of an angel. You may remember that story. And it says here in in Acts chapter 12, it says, Peter went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And so what's happening is Peter was in in prison and all of the believers were gathered together and they were praying at Mary's house, the mother of John Mark. And and they were praying and Peter escapes being led out by an angel to the house. And so we see that it's Mark's family was a praying family. And, And they were used by God to help bring about Peter's deliverance during his imprisonment. And so we see that John Mark grew up in a family of faith that was an important part of the early church. Now, a couple of verses later, Mark is mentioned again. And it's in the early ministry of Paul. But it's at a time when Paul was still known as Saul. And we pick it up in Acts chapter 12, verse 25. And it says this, Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem. When they had completed their service... Bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark, and so we we see here that Mark was given an opportunity to be mentored by Paul and Barnabas and to join in their ministry, and this was a big deal for young Mark, and so he's he has the opportunity to be a part of what God is doing, and sometimes when we're young and we get to we get to be included in the inner circle, that's a that's a privilege, it's an opportunity but sometimes those opportunities go to our head. But something happened along the way, and for some reason, Mark deserted his mentors. And we don't know all of the details as to the what and to the why, because scripture is silent. But immaturity often causes us to make poor decisions. And we, we do know that it was kind of a big deal. It says this, a while later, Barnabas wanted to give Mark another chance. And Luke writes in Acts chapter 15, verses 37 to 39, he says this, Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul thought it best not to take with them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia, and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him, and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed. Now I want us to see a couple of things here in this text. And the first is that the one who had withdrawn. That's all scripture really says here, but it seems as though John Mark went AWOL and abandoned the mission. We don't really know why, but, but going AWOL in some places means the end of your job. The end of your ministry, that's it. You are done over. If you abandon, you're done. Don't come back to work. Don't come back to this mission. You've abandoned us. You've lost our trust in you. Maybe it was his immaturity. Or maybe he got scared. We don't know. But either way, it was enough for him to be a liability to the team. Secondly, it's... There's so much that the two of the leaders had a sharp disagreement, so much so that they separated from each other. So although scripture is silent, we know that this was a big deal behind closed doors. This was one of those first times in the early church where we see two key leaders in the church come to the point of conflict, to the point of separating. You see, this it's one of those moments where We feel like at times immaturity is not a big deal. Well, immaturity is not a big deal until it is a big deal. And then it's often too late. It's one of those things where you can't put the cat back in the bag because our trust is broken. And the truth is that all of us struggle with this from time to time. People can be immature. Someone I know has a habit of saying, people are stupid. And it's true. We all make dumb mistakes from time to time. Maybe it's just me, I don't know. I know that I make plenty of mistakes, just ask Jen. But the good news is, we can all mature from our early stumblings and, and try and prove ourselves, we have second chances to, to go forward from our young, clueless versions of ourselves, we can grow up. I don't want to be who I once was. I, I want to grow up. I want to be more mature. And in, in Mark, we see a young man who made mistakes, but who later matured and was used by God. And this is our opportunity because Mark grew in maturity, and favor with the apostles. And we know this because not only was he mentored by Barnabas, as we saw on their mission, not only did Barnabas take him and, and, and encourage him and walk with him, but later we know that he was a scribe of Peter for the gospel of Mark. But even more so, if we look together some through later in Scripture, we see that that John Mark was even reconciled to Paul. You see, Walter Wessel, an author of the Expositor's Bible Commentary on Mark, writes this. In Paul's letter, or in Paul's letters, Mark is seen with Paul at Rome at the time of the writing of Colossians. Paul sends Mark's greetings and adds this. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him that's colossians 4 verse 10 and it's paraphrased again in philemon 24 written at about the same time you see apparently mark was at this point just beginning to win his way back into paul's confidence but by the end of paul's life mark was back in full favor because from rome paul writes to timothy in 2 timothy four eleven. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Think about that. From being the one who lost all trust and deserting and going AWOL to the point of getting in a fight with Barnabas to now saying, get him and bring him with you because he is helpful to me. Talk about a transformation It must have been humbling for Mark to to, to humble himself and to, to work to win back the respect and honor that he had thrown away earlier in his life. But that's the difference between immaturity and maturity. Because immaturity always takes the easy road out. It walks away. It takes the path of least resistance. Maturity, on the other hand, takes responsibility. It learns from my early mistakes, it grows. That's what each and every one of us wanna do. We want to say, God help me to walk in the way of maturity. And church history shows us John Mark's growth. Because not only did he write the words of Peter, but he eventually becomes a leader in the church as the Bishop of Alexandria in the early church. That's quite some turnaround from somebody who went AWOL and lost the respect of even his closest friends to now being a key leader in the early church worthy of trust and respect. So we see in the the story of John Mark that, that God is willing to use each and every person. He's willing to use each and every one of us if we will humble ourselves to press in, and to willing to grow in our walk with Him. What does this mean for us today? What can we learn from John Mark? You see, there have been times in my life when I've had some growing up to do. I know, that may seem like a stretch, but it happened far more than you think. You see, I had to learn to make better choices. We sometimes have to learn to make better choices. And the good news is that no matter how, what our age is, God is always there and open and willing to help us grow in our walk with Him. If maturity is not a product of an age, then what does maturity look like? What does it look like in our lives? Well, first, you see, we have to stop blaming others. We've got to take responsibility for our own spiritual growth and maturity. And that means that we need to lead ourselves first. Maturity means lead yourself. You see, we need to spend time with the Father in prayer and in his word. And then we will surrender to God and begin to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit working and flowing through us. What does maturity look like? It looks like Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. This verse describes what maturity looks like. You see, character is who you are when nobody is looking. Do we still exemplify the fruit of the Spirit? Do we still Are we still faithful in following God and, and seeking after Him? Have you ever heard of someone being caught red-handed? Now, we typically think of people being caught red-handed as being caught breaking the law. But what if every time you were caught red-handed, it was for something good? What if you were caught going the extra mile? What if you were caught being generous? What if you were caught being patient or loving, simply being Jesus behind the scenes, without fanfare, without press, without any of those things? And even if you are caught, it probably won't make the news. But this is what maturity looks like. I know it's hard, but this is something for each and every one of us. It's our chance to respond in a different spirit. When somebody cuts me off, it's an opportunity to say, you know what, maybe they're in a hurry, maybe there's something going on in their life, and I'm gonna extend grace. Instead of getting angry, learning to slow ourselves down and to be calm. It's these moments of how am I going to respond instead of being triggered or angry? How am I going to move and act in our world? The first thing we need to do is lead ourselves first. The second thing about maturity is look to lead others. Lead others. 1 Timothy 4.12 says this, "'Don't let anyone look down on you "'because you are young, "'but set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, In love, in faith, and in purity. And I I know that this is written to young Timothy, but I think it's true for each and every one of us. Regardless of our age, set the example by being these things. Maturity means to set the example. Be the thermostat, not the thermometer. Don't change who you are to fit in to people around you. Instead, begin to change the conversation and to change the culture by living in such a way that people begin to take notice, even if it isn't popular. Sooner or later, people will take notice. You see, I believe that our world is tired of inauthentic people who are just going with the flow. They're ready for something new. Something mature, something different, something with a purpose, and that's what it means to be a leader. That's what it means to be mature. Part of maturity is a willingness to serve, no matter the role. One of the first things I had to learn in ministry was that nobody wants to clean the toilets, right? But sometimes we're called to serve, sometimes we're called to do the dirty work, sometimes we're called to do the things behind the scenes that no one else is gonna see. But that's what it means to serve, to lead, to set the culture, to be a part of just picking up that thing and throwing it away, to be kind and generous towards those who are around us, even if it doesn't get noticed. And then asking the question, what is my best yes? Saying yes so that I can have an impact and make a difference on others around me. How can I use what God has given me to steward that for His kingdom? How can I serve and love others around me? So leading ourselves first and then leading others. I know that this is hard and it's something that I still struggle with. There are still times that I act mature. I mean, just this week, I got a bill in the mail from Urgent Care for over $400 for one of Catherine's many ear infections. And I have to admit, when I opened that bill, I was livid. I was upset. It's not fair. I had spent all morning that morning of the day I took her to Urgent Care, going to different Urgent Cares, calling different places, and they said that they took our insurance and now they're denying our insurance, saying that they never took it, and they wanna charge us the whole amount? All of the hurt and frustration and resentment my time came pouring back, and I, here I was, an adult having a full-blown temper tantrum. I was upset, and I was gonna call them and give them a piece of my mind. Luckily, Jen picked up the phone and decided she was gonna be the one who called. You know, I had to calm down. I had to think, what would Jesus do? And then a little voice in the back of my head said, well, he would have healed her, and I wouldn't have had to sit in urgent care for an hour and a half. There I go, spiraling again. I admit that I'm human, and I really need to sometimes just let my emotions come out and then say, God, what is my next best decision? Because maturity is not always acting on our first response. You see, sometimes we think we have matured, and then all it takes is one trigger, one person to cut us off in traffic, one person to cut in front of us at the grocery store, and all of those, that one word that's said to us, and all of the hurt and resentment comes flooding back, and we feel that we are justified, and and it, it just sits there, and it festers, and we realize that we still have work to do. And so no matter what our age Maturity is a choice. Maturity is something that God is calling us. He's saying, I want to draw you into my presence. I want to fill you with my Holy Spirit so you respond in a different spirit. And so matter, no matter if you are two-year-old yelling, I want my beer, or whether you're an older person struggling with drinking a few too many beers, each one of us have habits that aren't healthy for us. And the good news is that God is here for each and every one of us. God's grace is here to help us mature. Maturity isn't something that just happens. It's something that we have to work at. Something that happens as we allow God to work in our lives each and every step of our life, each and every area of our life. It's, it's, it's in those dark closets where we have skeletons where we say, God, I don't want you in that area. We've gotta let God, maturity means letting God into those areas, bringing it out into the open, letting it air out so that we can grow up in the fullness of God and become his sweet smelling fragrance and aroma in our world. That's what maturity looks like. It's even in the -the behind-the-scenes area of our life, when no one is looking, the areas where we thought we outgrew, that God steps in and begins to mature us. So as we close today, I want to challenge you with this. I want you to think, what is one area of my life or one character defect that I want to work on this week? And then I want you to pray and ask God, God, help me to think of the fruit of the Spirit, What's one thing that I can apply to my life to lead myself first and to ask God to help us grow in that area as we surrender to Him this week? Just this week, I challenge you to take time to ask Him, what's one area that I can grow and what's one fruit of the Spirit that I can begin to apply to respond in a different way? Because the truth is, just like John Mark, God can use anyone, even someone who isn't mature. Even if we have turned our backs on God and we've gone AWOL and all of our brokenness is out there on full display, God's grace is still there if we seek Him, if we allow Him, if we receive His grace into our lives. He will help us grow. And the truth is, you can make a difference. You aren't too old or too young. God is doing something new. God is preserving a remnant. God is growing this community. And God wants to use you. Yes, you. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. And I thank you for the opportunity to be here together and to learn from John Mark's life. That you can use us, even from our early setbacks and our early mistakes, that God, you wanna Draw us into your presence. And so, Lord, we surrender all that we are to you. All of the hidden closets, all of our character defects, all of our flaws, Lord, we bring it to you and we just ask that you would begin to mature us in you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your grace. Cover all over all of our flaws that we wouldn't beat ourselves up anymore, but that we would just walk in the confidence and grace that you pour out in our lives. That's what maturity looks like, is walking in your grace and your truth. And so this week as we go, Lord, fill us with your strength, fill us with our confidence in you that we can be your hands and your feet in this broken and hurting world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. I hope you join us next week as we continue to follow God's grace in our lives. Have a great and a wonderful week. May you be blessed.